0: Lubbock. Wow, first Texas Tech Monday
1: night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome on, welcome all to the tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 network. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And uh man, it's another great day talking Texas Tech Man's basketball. Why? Because the Red Raiders went into Austin, aka Lubbock South, and totally. I mean, I won't say they totally dismantled the Longhorns because that wouldn't be true, but they beat down Texas in the second half and the score was much closer than the game actually felt. And speaking of felt, I got to bring on my producer extraordinaire that is Dylan Smythe because he felt all the emotions while being inside the Irwin Center. What's up, Dill?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I I couldn't have been more. Pleased with with what went down in Austin. I mean, I, I when I bought the ticket, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. You know, the momentum was still building when I bought that ticket, and uh, that was the best one hundred fifty dollars I've ever spent in my life, <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, th- it was just so much fun being in person in Austin. Uh, last time I saw Texas Tech play in Austin, it was the football game, and uh, the results were much much different. So it's good to know that I'm not cursed in Austin.
1: <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, that was not, that's not a great thing. And it's actually the only thing that the Texas fans have been able to hold their hat on literally since that moment. Um, but I will say this. So let's, let's backtrack here a little bit. And the whole thing, obviously the beard situation is what hyped this game up, but I actually, I would argue what hyped it up even more was the ticket situation, right? So it started out, it started out with, uh, with Jeff Brunson getting the ticket code and Getting the ticket code, finding the ticket code. It actually, wasn't just him, but it a bunch of people getting, finding the ticket code and dispersing it amongst Red Raider Nation and saying, hey, guys, here's the ticket code from Longhorns. This is how you do it. This is how you get it. And within a couple of days, we were selling out their stadium. And actually, if you remember, Dylan, in the offseason, people were talking about, hey, hey upper-level seats are 99 bucks. We can sell that out. We can buy that up, and just go for that one game. And so it started all the way back then. But then with the still stolen ticket code, and then Chris Del Conte, and I know Red Raider fans have totally crapped on him. I actually think what he did was necessary, right? After two days, he had to he do shut something. down the ticket code. He had to do something. He shut down. He shuts down the ticket code. And, and and to where nobody can get it. And then he, he he tries to open up a little bit like a week before the game, but it doesn't really work. And, and it's this whole thing. And so it becomes kind of a, a ticket battle that I will say this. This whole thing did empower the Texas Longhorn fan base a little bit. They came out more than they would have, if not for all this. But still, I mean, you were in the stadium. It still felt it felt through the screen like a 50 50 showdown. It felt like Texas fans were trying to match the energy of Tech fans, but just couldn't. Um, You know, I mean, what was that atmosphere like inside the stadium where it seemed fairly mostly orange in the lower bowl, but almost all red in the upper bowl?
0: Yeah, so I I would agree with all that. Uh, I I was in the upper bowl. I was in the upper bowl and it did feel like. A, a large majority of the upper Bowl was dominated by the Red Raiders um I mean you could feel you could feel the defense chance in your chest up there um you, you could hear Raider power chance very clearly up there and, and I would agree that the lower bowl while it did look to be more so orange than red we we had an impressive presence down there and I think between the two it probably averaged out to about a 50 50 crowd. But uh, as you could hear on the broadcast, our 50% is much more rowdy, much much more noisier, and just. Just yeah, the Texas Longhorns. They, I don't think I heard one Texas fight chant the whole game. Not one. They
1: tried. No, they tried. They did try. You're on the upper bolts. So you probably couldn't hear it. But right. They tried Texas fight a few times, and each time a Texas fight chant was started, it was immediately followed by Raider power. Every time there was a Let's Go Longhorns fight start, uh, a chant started, then it was defense because the Longhorns run offense. Like it was, <laughs> it was very interesting to hear on the bright. I never heard anything like it. To where two fan bases are legitimately competing for, like, competing to see who can be louder than each other. But the weird thing about it
0: is, I reason I say I've never seen anything like it is because it
1: wasn't a neutral site game. Right, <laughs> This yeah. was a game yeah. in Austin.
0: <laughs> you, you might see that this at a neutral site game. That's the only time you'll see that environment. But to see that environment in Austin and just, like, the atmosphere even after the game. Like, w- we took over the streets of Austin. Schultz Beer Garden. It was a sea of red at Schultz Beer Garden. It was just... Uh, I I don't know a fan base that's capable of doing this. I, I, I really don't. So I've, I've always been curious with
1: these things. And, and you know, I, I don't think I'll ever have like Christian Ramey or Andrew Jones on the podcast to ask them. But I've always wondered... You know how, as the, the as a player, how do you feel? I mean, Marcus Handel Silva tweeted, "It's great to be at home," right? Mm-hmm. Like they. So the players obviously felt this, right? The home players at least did, not they're willing to acknowledge it. But obviously, or not the home players. Well, <laughs> the depends Texas on how players. you look at it,
0: right?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Texas players, but like, how do the Texas players feel? I mean, uh, Christian Ramey put up a th- an air ball and was loud air ball chance in his own arena. Mm-hmm. In his own arena, he is hearing he's being made fun of in his own arena. Right by the opposing fans, like how does that that ha- can't feel good? That has to be demoralizing. Um, uh, I kind of felt for the guy, to be honest. I'm not gonna lie to you, I kind of felt bad for him. Like, man, this really sucks, <laughs> right? Go, Your fans
0: um, can't show up for you. Go watch the Texas uh players' press conference after the game because they do ask those questions and you know they're not pros but kind of pros in their own way, and so they they kind of danced around the question, but. Those uh, quote-unquote body language experts would probably read a lot out of just how they answered those questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's walk into the game itself, right? So the game itself, it kind of played out a lot like we talked about in the preview. Uh, Texas played pretty well in the first half, built out a nice what was this eight point lead in the first half, um, and, and 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 gets just like we talked about. Tech was able to come back a little bit at the, the end of the half and tied it up. And then the second half kind of blew it open. What what was the feeling inside the stadium? What was the feeling for you seeing that first half go where Texas struggled a little bit and Texas was able to get a bunch of wide open three pointers?
0: Yeah, there were certainly things that I was really concerned about going into the halftime. You mentioned the three pointers. Um, Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey both were, were, were sinking three pointers. And if you followed this Red Raider team and you've seen a team get hot from three, that's that's how we lose games, right? Is a team gets hot from three. That's how we've lost games in the last few months. And so I was a little concerned there. Um, I don't know what our free throw percentage was in the first half, but it wasn't good. Uh, we, we were not hitting our free throws in the first half. It seemed like only Adonis Arms was was really showing out in the first half. And um, yeah, so there was, there was a little bit of concern, but I know, I happen to know that Texas Tech is a second-half team, and I happen to know that the Texas Longhorns like to poop the bed in the second half. So, when you put those things together, you you saw what happened in the second half.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the second half, and and we talked about it. I mean, you saw it, it, it. This is now three games in a row where Tech has a deficit in the first half. And they get a little bit of energy right before halftime and then boom, bust it wide open in the second half. And that's exactly what happened once again, right? Tech starting to get Texas that what Texas did was they started a drought. They're, they had a drought in this game that started at about the four minute mark four and a half minute mark in the second half, or in the first half where they could not buy a basket. It went about nine minutes without being able to score. And during that time, now, mind you, it's not like Tech blew the door open. It wasn't like a 30-point run or anything like that. It was like a 10 nothing run. But it was slow, it was methodical, and it was just chipping, 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 chipping until they were able to get their own lead. And then before you know it, Tech has a four-point lead in the, sec- in, in the second half. And if you're a Tech, or a seven-point lead in the second half, I mean, if you're a Texas fan, you're like, wait, how the hell did that happen? We were just a- up eight a second ago right and so in the second half tech has a a seven point lead i think at one point they they were they and i'm trying to see it right here but at one point i believe it was even up to double digits but then my good friend dylan after building a 10 point lead with three minutes to go and what seemed like the game is over 10 point lead three minutes to go tech has all the momentum but then they let but then they do not score again for the next two minutes and texas goes on a nine nothing run and how was that
0: yeah, that that 9 90 run my, so I went to the game with a, a one of my best friends who happens to be a Longhorn fan and uh in that moment he started to get some life and you felt the crowd get some life some life too in that moment. So that was probably one of the first times I could really hear the Texas crowd kind of getting after it. And uh it, it did get a little hairy there. You you mentioned I think Andrew Jones hit one or two threes in that stretch and um, Well,
1: the one thing that helped was that 6 point play. Yeah, courtesy of the officials. Yeah, um, that, that six point play. Definitely. I mean, that definitely gets one in, in Texas was struggling to score at the time, too. So that's six point play. Just like that. You're you're back on the board. Um, and and I will say this, though. Does it give you cause for concern? It's not the first time this happened to where tech has a nice lead in the second half. Now, they haven't. This is not this so far has not been a reason we've lost the game. But mm-hmm. it has been a reason a couple times where tech has a nice lead, build a nice lead and then it's it's like a 2020 version of Keith Patterson comes in and plays prevent defense, and we are getting pressed. We're getting pressured. Hell, it happened last time he played Texas in Lubbock where we had a nice 20-point lead, and they were able to come back simply because they pressured the ball, gave them some easy turnovers. Does Is this cause for concern?
0: Yes and no. I think there, there have been times where clearly uh, this team has struggled to beat the full-court press. However... <laughs> I, I think that's probably what Kevin McCuller does best. That's one of his best qualities. I think, you know, your natural point guard is what you want in that situation, right? And so being without Kevin McCuller in that situation is less than ideal. But it we did. We struggled mightily to break that press. And that's pretty much what was responsible for that run, except for you mentioned the six-point play. But it, it's certainly concerning, but I think... Um, once Kevin McCuller is healthy, you're, you're you're much you're instantly much better at breaking a full court press. So I am of the belief that
1: I need Barrett Peary, I need Peary, Coach, I need Coach Peary, Coach Williams, Coach Adams, everybody to get in a room this week before the next game and come up with an end of game plan when we're up. Yeah. And the reason I, I say I think this is what I believe, this is what I think that sh- they should do is come up with an end of game plan that includes this is our victory formation lineup i think that victory formation lineup should include malik wilson i think you should include kevin mccullough when he's healthy i think you should include adonis arms i think arms is really good at this too um and have that hell it probably should include marcus Santos Silva, who's actually done a pretty good job at press breaking also right but have these guys that are the victory formation guys that can Getting make the smart plays to break the presses to be able to make smart passes, not make lazy passes. One thing that was happening at the end of that game was a lot of lazy, lazy passes. Even Mm. though I mentioned Malik Wilson, he did it a couple times himself of just lazy passes, not passing with forcefulness, kind of waiting for the game to end instead of taking like making sure the game instead of slamming the door shut on the game, right? That game at one with a one point lead, I was very nervous.
0: I remember there was one point in time. I, I turned to my friend and shook his hand and, you know, told him good game because I thought it was over. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, dude, this isn't over yet. And he was right. It wasn't over yet. And so, yeah, there was definitely a moment where Texas Tech fans were already kind of celebrating. And then all of a sudden it wasn't over. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, it, it's yeah, we I, 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 I'm I with you at three minutes up 10. I'm like, ah, we got this. And, it, and it's just we, we I think we have to do a better job of doing a victory formation uh, lineup that's able to ride us home. You know, luckily, we're not going to you know, call a timeout with 15 seconds left in a game and get into a fight with the other team's head coach. But <laughs> still, we need to um, we need to have a, a better sense of at the end of the game, making better decisions on that. So we don't get into these nail biting situations because that's a little too stressful. And especially in the tournament, especially towards we, as we get to the end of the season, we don't. I mean, this this situation, we don't know what may happen. Um, I do think because Tech is a veteran laden team, very smart team, we're able to withstand this. Kevin O'Banner was able to get to the free line to end the bleeding. But who knows? Against a different team, maybe that doesn't happen.
0: I, I might like to see. You, you don't see them on the court together, but in this situation, I would like to see both Kevin McCuller and Malik Wilson on the floor at the same time. Yeah. Right? You've yeah, got I two agree. guys that could catch the ball and responsibly pass out of the break.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So one thing I'd be remiss if we did not talk about my boy, Clarence Nadalny and his play in this game. This yeah. was a, we thought it was gonna be the arms game early on. We thought it was gonna be the arms game. Nope, it was the Clarence Nadalny game. He got a chance. We talked a lot about how Terrence Channel was gonna be able to get a chance to get get back at, at Beard, the guy who got back at Beard was Clarence Nadalny, and and and, and actually shout out to uh um to Miss Treya. Terrence Shannon's mom, because she brought up a great point. He didn't get to play under Beard the last two years. Beard did not play him. Now, I'm not saying that it was Beard's fault or anything like that. Sometimes a guy needs to be developed line. Clarence Sidon is one of those guys that need to be developed. Now, this is his junior season. You would hope by your junior season that you're able to get the playing time that he's able to get. And I think if Beard was still here, he probably does get the playing time he's getting now. However, that being said, it's gotta feel good if you're Clarence Adoni that the guy that wouldn't play you for two years is now, is now the guy that you were able to beat.
0: Not like that. Game. So, you know, now he's playing for Mark Adams, right? And and Clarence Sindaldi, he comes out, he fires a three pointer on his like one of his first shots, if not his first shot, and it does not go in. And everyone, including yourself, I think you put out a tweet that's like, okay, chill out, Clarence. <laughs> and then Mark Adams, his new coach, just told him, "Keep shooting. I don't care. Keep shooting. Keep going." Let me tell you and he did, and it worked out for everybody. Let me tell
1: you something. This is the reason why Mark Adams is the coach, and I am not because I would have told him, "All to, no, you sit your ass down and don't shoot <laughs> it's yeah. Like,
0: We're it." But yeah, point shot again. But he
1: kept shooting. Hell, I, and he was technically in this game. He was one for three. The ref screwed him. His first three point, his first three point in the first half. That was a three ref screwed him the name of the two that was a three-pointer but in i digress he said you know what that's fine i'm gonna get it anyway got it in the second half this is the first three-pointer
0: of the conference season so i think it's um, his first three-pointer of the whole season they
1: i i you know what i'm gonna the, i that's what it says on stats stat reference according to the uh frank kept saying differently but you know i who am i to question Fran? but i do know for a fact it's the first three-pointer he's had of the conference season so look i um it Adams, he knows these guys. He knows these players. He knows them better than us. He is smarter than us. I know it's shocking to know. (laughs) I know it's a shocker that Mark Adams is smarter than you and I, Dylan. But he is, and he's smaller than smarter than most co- people in the coaching profession, in the basketball coaching profession as well. Um, so or uh, one thing I will do want to point out another guy's that played great in this game. We already mentioned Adonis Arms. Bryson Williams, 17 points. He's the guy I kind of expected to have a decent game in this one. I said earlier on the game, uh, B- Bishop for Texas struggled against Bryson Williams. And, and I said it, I tweeted it out. If Bishop can't hold Williams, there's nobody on Texas who can.
0: And that was a part of our preview podcast, right? We said, look there's a real chance that Bryson Williams will dominate in the pain this game. And sure enough, he did. And that was the difference in the second half to me is we, our guards were struggling to to get off the ball or to make something happen on the perimeter. And they just said, you know what? He's the biggest guy down there. No one can stop him. Let's just throw it over and let him score. And, and sure enough, that every time they did that, Bryson Williams came back with the bucket.
1: Well, it also helps that Texas is, two best scorers and Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr went a whopping two for combined two for 12 for six points. Marcus Carr, 33 minutes, zero points. Just out there doing cardio.
0: And, and Timmy <laughs> Allen's buckets were pretty much in garbage time. Like I think there were five minutes to go in the second half and he got his first bucket.
1: Yeah. I like just, they were just out there doing cardio. Uh, <laughs> now, Ter- now we'll say before we get off this preview, Terrence Shannon, I do want to talk about Terrence Shannon a little bit. Um, So didn't get a bucket, didn't get a basket. He was 0 for 6 from the field. 6 for 8 from free throw. Was aggressive. Good defender. I will say I didn't like his attitude towards the end of the game. I, I gotta put it out there. I did not like his attitude towards the end of the game. You saw him and him and Bryson Williams kind of got into a little bit of a, a um, an argument on the bench. I don't, I don't think it's anything serious. It seemed like they made it up immediately. That's you know this is if you've ever been on a team in your life,
0: <laughs> you These know that happens. Happen.
1: <laughs> that happens all the time. I, it's, not, it's not nothing goes further than that. But I will say that you saw him a moment uh, late in the game, and you probably didn't see it, Dylan. But through the, through right, that last half timeout, Terrence Shannon wanted to clear out. He saw it. He noticed it. He wanted to clear out. He called off the play that was called. He wanted to clear out. Mark Adams called the timeout. He was visibly upset about that, right? Now, I will say, shout out to Mark Adams. It seemed like he did a great job of coaching Terrence Shannon up. And the play they called up was for Terrence Shannon, right? I think they 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 said, was hey. It? It was it? seemed to be for Terrence Shannon. It did seem to be for Terrence Shannon. <laughs> but, he, they you know, they called up and said, hey, you're still our guy. But I do think Daryl Dora, shout out to Daryl Dora, did a great job of reeling him in. Saying, "Hey, man, this is it. We we can't have all that. Let's reel it in. Let's let's calm down a little bit, and let's go back out and win the game." Terrence Shannon, obviously, when you get the W, you're in higher spirits. He going to be in higher spirits after the game. But I do want to call it out. You know, Terrence Shannon is my guy. I've, I've hyped him up all season. But we got it. We got to think about what's best for the team. And on the flip side of that, he's our he's. Again, I will say until the cows come home, he is the most talented player on our team. He is our he is our go to guy, and so and I I do think there's a little bit of it, it's it's hard to coach those guys sometimes, but I do think I think Adams handled it well. I think Dora handled it well, and I just think it's one it's a it's a teachable moment for Terrence Shannon here.
0: Yeah, and I think Terrence Shannon learning to maybe I think it's really hard for him to take a back seat in a moment like that. I I think he just wants it too much, you know? And so when, when someone like Bryson Williams is dominating and maybe you want to call a timeout so that you could just get it in the hands of the guy who's won you this game so far, I would understand, but I, I did find it interesting and I didn't realize any of this until after the game and I watched it on, you know, on replay, but I, I did find it interesting that that moment happened. And then after the timeout, the clock shots run it down and the ball just finds its way into Terrence in Shannon's hands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I saw, so I'll, I'll uh, and so I said that was gonna be the last thing I said. I do, I do want to point this out. I, I, here's another thing I will say about just about the game in general. Um, I do not, I have to make a point. I do not like talking about referees because I, I think it's, they're human. It happens. Bad calls are gonna be made. I was a referee before. It's, a, it's, one, it's the, Arguably, in my opinion, the toughest job in sports is to be an official. It's tough. It's really difficult. It's really hard to make split decisions. And most refs are good. I'm not going to talk about the referees when it comes to, you know, calls or or biases or anything like that. Like a lot of people usually do. My biggest problem with the refs in this game, this game was way too physical. It was bordering. Like the way the Texas Longhorns played, especially in that second half, it was... it was, it was a problem. It was a problem that should have been taken care of in the first half. In the first half, the game was physical. And the first half was one that is when referees need to take control of the game and make the calls that should have been called and wasn't. And what happened is in the second half, Tech kept playing the same physicality they always play with. But Texas was borderline dirty in some of the things they were doing in the second half. And it was, it was bad. It wasn't good. They, they're pulling Nadal the and his arm back. Almost, mm-hmm. I mean, O'Banner, O'Banner had a situation where he he could have easily gotten hurt, right? Like, there's some of these things that were happening. It, if Tech would have would have swung, if one of our players would have swung, I wouldn't have blamed them. Like, it was, and, and I put a lot of that blame. I mean, obviously, it's easy to blame Beard and the staff and the fact they're not really the players. And yeah, sure, whatever. But I actually put a lot of that blame on the refs. you got to take control of this game because they're just doing what they're allowed to do. And you're letting them do it. Hell, some half the time fouls weren't even being called. So that's, that's my, my At thing. At the same time,
0: 20 fouls were called in the first half. So the, if, they were trying. It just didn't seem like. If 20 fouls like-
1: were called in the first half, but 30 fouls were committed, then the 30 fouls should have been called in the first half. It was just, <laughs> my thing is, is that it's not, and I, I am a fan of letting players play, but the game just got out of hand. I it felt the game was getting out of hand in the second half. It was just way too, way too much being done by, by a lot of the Texas Longhorns players. It was just, I, I really felt if this game was going to go on for another five, if it would have gone on for another five minutes, somebody would have been injured or a fight would have broken out. That's truly what I felt in the second half. It got way too far.
0: We'll we'll see what happens in the conference tournament. (laughs) If you
1: know anything about me, you know that I hope Texas Tech doesn't go far enough for it to be a problem in the conference tournament. Yeah. Hey, give us Kansas State in the first round and let us bow out gracefully. (laughs) Oh, man, Nigel Page. (laughs) ah what are you gonna do all right (laughs) give us our two seed and let's go on oh anyways um i mean for me i can't wait to see this team in the ncaa tournament if i'm gonna see this team in the ncaa tournament that means i gotta rock my ncaa tournament apparel and if i'm gonna rock my ncaa tournament apparel it's gonna be with home field apparel that's right home field apparel is our apparel sponsor and they are gonna hook you up with great Texas Tech swag for 15% off. The best way they're going to be able to do that is if you type in the promo code TEKS12, that's takes 12 that's T-A-K-E-S-1-2. Home Fit Apparel has the best stuff when it comes to Texas Tech Apparel, old school Texas Tech Apparel. Everybody, I know a lot of people in the fan base love that old school double T, so make sure you get that old school double T. Make sure you get the old school Reckham, the old school logo, the old school Mask Rider, all that stuff on your body, on your shirts, on your, and, get, and get swagged up there. So... That is home field apparel, 15% off your first order using the promo code TAKES12. That is T-A-K-E-S-1-2. So, Dylan, Texas Tech has another game coming up this week.
0: Maybe, (laughs) yes, no.
1: (laughs) Yes, they do. Against the Oklahoma Sooners um, this Tuesday evening. What's your first impressions of that game?
0: I, I, I look at I, I immediately look at our last matchup in Norman and I say well that was a fluke <laughs> that, that's my immediate impression but uh Oklahoma they in their last five games while they've lost four out of the last five you know they played Texas very close they played Kansas very close and then they got Molly by Iowa State however I, I do think this team has kind of found a little bit of a groove um but I I, I just I think that last game was such a fluke. I don't see it happening again. It's not in the USA.
1: so they actually lost six of the last seven. So That team that lost to them must really suck. I mean, oh, my
0: goodness. (laughs) That
1: team must be stink.
0: (laughs) But they came so close. They came so close in a few games. (laughs) Uh, Don't look at Iowa State because that was a blowout. But Texas and Kansas, both very good teams. They were within two points.
1: Yeah, this this Oklahoma team is actually very similar, in my opinion, to the uh, Texas Tech women's basketball team, (laughs) to where they play up. You know, like like the team. This is the team that has win over. They beat Iowa State. Right. They've come close to beating Kansas, beating Texas. They beat Texas Tech, right? And they, they actually they beat Iowa State when Iowa State was ranked. They were the 11th ranked team in the country. And so, like, this is a team that has they beat 12th ranked Arkansas early in the year, beat 14th ranked Florida early in the year. This, this is the Texas Tech women's basketball team. This is a team that goes gets really high for those high opponents. And then we'll also have situations in this season where they have um uh lost to TCU and uh, but got blown out by an unranked Iowa State, right? And and lost, actually got swept by TCU, right? So like, this is a team that's, it's, you don't know who you're going to get on this occasion. Here's the thing, that win against Texas Tech last time, basically put them in the tournament. Um, and now that they've lost six of the last seven, and they've, uh, and actually, if you want to even go further back, they've actually lost 10 of their last 12. They really need another win against Texas Tech to put them back in the tournament. Um, but I just, at the USA, I don't see
0: it. Yeah. For, for a while there, they were on the bubble, but now it's looking like I, I, maybe if they win their last three after losing to Texas tech, maybe they got a shot, but yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Emoji Gibson isn't going eight from 11 from downtown in the USA. It's not happening.
1: Here's the thing. I'm actually at the point now where I think even if they were to beat, lose the tech and win the last three, they still wouldn't get in. I think that they, they have to, this is a, this is a must win for them, for them to have a postseason, They, they cannot, they have to sweep tech and, um, and it won't be Emoji Gibson to do it, but they do have some other players that could potentially put up some some buckets. Now, last time we talked about Tanner Groves. um, Sorry, the Groves brothers just will not be enough to do it for you, Oklahoma. You're going to need some more pieces. Uh, and who are the pieces that you're worried about, Dylan?
0: I... I, I... You know, we, we did a great job of shutting down Tanner Groves in the last game. He only had two points, and, and that's what I would have told you the key of the game was, right? But I guess the key of the game was don't let one guy go absolutely bonkers from three-point territory. Um, I, I like I like Jordan something Goldwire, Jay Goldwire. I forget his first name. It's it's left me. He was a Texas Tech target once a point in time. You um, got it right. It's Jordan. There we go. Jordan Goldwire. Um, I I, I like his playmaking abilities. I think, you know, having a play, a steady playmaker will go a long way on the road. But uh, as people I'm worried about, no one.
1: (laughs) So funny, Jordan Goldwire is everything Malik Wilson has become. Right? Yeah. I, I remember Jordan Goldwire. I remember wanting him pretty badly. I, I thought of him as a veteran, as a guy that was going to be a really good defender, a good point guard for the team. And that's what he's kind of turned into for Oklahoma, right? Um, but he's everything that Malik Wilson has become. I mean, Malik Wilson's one of our best defenders on the team now, right? You have the mm-hmm. length that he gives you. He stays in front of all of his people. And it's kind of, I mean, I feel like Malik, Wilson and Goldwire are going to have like the, the Spider-Man memes against each other. Here's the difference. Malik Wilson's our backup point guard. Jordan Goldwire is a key starting piece for them, and that's kind of the difference you see when it comes to starters, right? (laughs) Because if we switch them, like if we traded Malik Wilson for Jordan Goldwire, they'd all – Malik Wilson would now be the guy that's averaging 10 points a game starting point guard for the Oklahoma seniors, and Jordan Goldwire would be the backup point guard, right? Like they're, they're, they're very similar in my opinion, and that just shows you the talent disparity of the fact that Jordan Goldwire is their second or third best player, and Malik Wilson, as great of a piece as he is for Tech, isn't even a starter.
0: And the the big bonus is we get to keep Malik Wilson for another year.
1: That's oh, no, that's the great point. Jordan Goldwire is like thirty years old. How old he is?
0: Yeah, he's a one. He's you know a, not a one and done, but he's going to play one season at Oklahoma and be done.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's, he's he has to go and pay his mortgage. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I I, I think that's Jordan Goldwire is a good piece. Here's the thing. Here's the problem about Jordan Goldwire. He's not a bucket. He's he's averaging ten points no. a game. But he's not a guy that's going to go out and fill up the stat sheet. He's not a guy that's going to go out and just get you, you know, a, a mean thirty because you need it and this, that, and the other. He's going to fight his way. I, I against Kansas, he played a really good game, but he had to fight his way to twenty points. Right against Auburn early in the season, he had to fight his way to nineteen. But just as many t- games that he has where he's putting up nineteen, he's putting up twenty. He also has a bunch of games where he's putting up five, putting up yeah. four. Right. Putting up against tech last time, put up 10, put up four against Iowa State. So it's 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 very wide variance. And he's not going to I don't see. There's only one person who could possibly put up an emoji Gibson game for Oklahoma.
0: And that's emoji Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so if you you not you keep that guy at bay, I, I don't see a W here for Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, I just you know, maybe if we had flipped this whole script, if uh, if we had lost. Well. Yeah, if we had played them early in the earlier in the year at home, we had lost that game, and now we're in Norman. Maybe I would give them a chance, but no. The in the USA with with the, the crowd coming off the high of Texas, I think they they. I I just think this crowd they've gained so much energy from that Texas game because they've seen how we can change the course of a basketball game.
1: So with teams like Texas Tech and any other top ten team, you always look for what games can be let down games. What games can a uh, top ten team play another team and and just have a situation where they get let down. And a great example of a let down game was the Oklahoma game, right? That, I mean, mm-hmm. that was a perfect example. We didn't even see we didn't really see it coming because we were just ro- kept riding. Another example of a game is early in the season against Kansas State. I talked about the fact that I thought Tech would lose one well because because they had been they were so tired, and it was a great opportunity for a let down game at the time. Oklahoma, same thing. Here's the thing: there are no more let down games left in the se- in the season. Why? Because the remaining home- one. The home games we have are for one, they're home games, and we have the best home court advantage in the entire country. Um, but two, the teams we are playing at home, we have all we we have, we they've beaten us, Oklahoma and Kansas State, right? So every you always as a player remember the teams that have beaten you, especially when you've only lost six times this year. You know all six teams. It's not it's not a plethora of teams to, to remember. So the two games, the home games we have left against Oklahoma and against Kansas State, you're like, yeah, I remember you. And so it's not really room for a letdown in either one. So sorry, Oklahoma. Not only do I, I'm going to say my prediction early. Not only do I think it's going to be a tech win, I think it's going to be a tech blowout.
0: I think Texas Tech is, is is doing the same thing I am and is saying, let's get to San Antonio.
1: Got to get that two seed. Well, yeah. Let's get to
0: Fort Worth first, but Fort Worth, San Antonio, got to get that two seed. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking way ahead. I, yeah, two seed. And, and if the committee's listening, I, and I'm sure they are, or I don't even know who picks what? But it, the people that have picked Baylor over Texas Tech, please, for the love of God, explain it to me one more time, because I don't get it.
1: It's uh, yeah. So I think the, the, the gap between Baylor and Tech is, is quite a bit. One thing I do want to tell everybody, um, AP poll does not matter. I, I, I'm not I'm not just being a contrarian when I say this. It truly, really does not matter. The only sport that ever mattered before. Before was football because they they would use the AP poll to one decide national championship champions, then they use it to help with the BCS. Now they don't even use it for the college football playoff. Like a- the AP poll in any sport truly does not matter, right? So a lot of the times when we're I, know, I saw a lot of tech fans saying that oh well Tech's beating this many AP poll top twenty five teams it doesn't matter nobody cares it, it really doesn't matter. Um, even Ken Palm truly doesn't matter, but Ken Palm I think is a good a good uh, uh, usually does a good job of saying who's better than who, and, and mm-hmm. honestly a lot of the times they're right. A lot of times you can easily look at Kem and say like, okay, yeah, that team is better this because of this, that, and the other. Um, but the tournament uses net more than anything, and you know who net loves the Baylor Bears. Baylor has a lot of Quad One wins. Baylor Ugh. does really well against, and when it comes to Q One's, and that's the reason why they're up so high. But fifth, a little too high for, in my opinion.
0: But when you but when, when you really hard. start looking into those Q One wins and you compare them to Texas Tech's Q One wins, I think it paints a clear picture. Plus, you know the regular the you know, conference sweep. How do you, how do you ignore that information? Right.
1: And that's where, that's where humans come in, right? That's where humans <laughs> got to step in and say, you know what? Yeah. All right. This is, this is what happened. We can't do this and, and that. So um, I, I don't, I don't think it's something too much to look into uh, so much, but I will say this. We are competing with Baylor in that aspect. Baylor has a game against Kansas. We want Baylor to beat Kansas because we want to have a ch- shot at the big 12 championship. However, if Baylor does beat Kansas, it also means that they have a better uh, better patch that two seed to take over for tech, right? And what happens if Baylor, tech, and Tech both have two seeds? Yeah. Uh it's it's gonna be a little tug of war to see who gets who gets the Fort Worth San Antonio option.
0: It'll be there there'll be some politics involved there, I'm sure.
1: Absolutely. So do I gotta even ask you your prediction for this game? Easy dub. Easy, easy, easy dub. Uh give me one player that needs to show out.
0: Just because I'm going to try and not pick Bryson Williams or Kevin O'Banner for the first time ever on this podcast, I think I might steal your answer from, I think with your answer for the Texas game, which was Adonis Arms. I mean, the dude just brings so much energy. If we get out to a fast start in a basketball game it's because on adonis arms showed up right he he is the energizer bunny it almost it feels like well i guess that's clarence is the energizer bunny but come on, come on man adonis arms it just seems like if texas tech gets off to a fast start it's because of adonis arms and i think us getting off to a fast start is very important
1: you know who i think needs to really uh, have a decent game in this for us to win jabuzo agbo because if he plays this is a blowout <laughs> if, he, if he plays a good like five, six minutes, it's because tech had a nice little nice little win and we want to we want to give Agbo some more minutes. So hey, he, uh, played,
0: he played against UT, that wasn't a blowout, but he hey, got two minutes or something.
1: No, I need him to play five plus. Yeah, okay. I need him to play five plus. I would say KJ Allen, but KJ's KJ's been away from the team for the last couple weeks now, dealing with some personal issues. So um uh but yeah, no, Tabuzo Agbo. That's the more minutes Buzo gets, the more, the bigger of a gap Tech is text plan. And also, Buzo has like, he'll come in for two minutes and make the most of his two minutes. and I love it. I don't know mm-hmm. why he doesn't get more minutes in mine. Well, really, he doesn't get more minutes because like, where would you give it to him?
0: <laughs> I mean, between Bacho, Santos, Silver, and O'Banner, like those are all your big man minutes, right? Yeah, and man, I, and I do kind of consider, even though Agbo's small for a big man, I do consider him a big. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's a little tough, but um, that's, that's my guy. So anything else you want to say to the people before we get out of here?
0: Man, I, I want to say thank you to to everybody who showed up in Austin. I, I just, it, it really blew my mind. I, I had prepared my friend like, hey, we're we're gonna show up in numbers. It, it might get interesting in there. Who knows? But I, I just could not have predicted the showing that Texas Tech had uh, in Austin. It was it was absolutely incredible. Taking over the streets with you guys after the game was so much fun. I, I ran into uh, the Talking Tech boys. Tristan and Steven, uh, you know, we had to grab a picture. So just thank you guys for showing up, all of you. Um, The the crowd made such a difference in that game. And uh, it was one of the coolest sports environments I've ever been a part of. I am very jealous.
1: Um, Yeah, very jealous. I will say if we do get the Fort Worth San Antonio uh, combo, I am buying my flight to New Orleans that day. Selection Sunday, I will buy my flights to New Orleans if we get the Fort Worth San Antonio combo. Um, actually, listen, after we beat, after we beat, uh, who was it, Baylor or somebody or like a few months ago? We beat, we beat Baylor, Kansas or something. And my wife had to stop me from buying the tickets to New Orleans that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, i i man, this this team is so much fun. This is I, the 2019 team is very special. This may be my favorite team of all time. They like as we're in in the moment. And I've thought about this already, but like in the moment, no matter what happens, this team, this season, may be my favorite basketball season of all time. It's Uh, it's been a fun one.
0: When you add the narrative of Mark Adams as a first year head coach who, in, in the off season, there were so many people that were so skeptical because it's like, ah, this old guy hes only been an assistant. He wasn't even in basketball for a while. He was a boxing coach. Like, you know, there was a lot of skeptics on Mark Adams and, And it really felt like Texas Tech, the players, the fans, it felt like we picked Mark Adams, right? And the administration had to be like, ah, crud, okay, we'll hire him. And couple that narrative with this team having to just add, what, nine new players or something Mm -hmm. insane like that. Yeah, uh, this team is very special and will be special for a very long time, regardless of what they do in the tournament.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, I got nothing else. Make sure to... Go to the game if you're in Lubbock, uh, Texas Tech playing the Oklahoma Sooners, and uh, yeah, we out of here. So for our producer extraordinaire, that is Dylan Smythe. This is Albie Shore, and you've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the Ten Twelve Network. As always, stay wrecked, people.